Welcome back to The Joseph Cox Show. This is being recorded at almost the very last minute. The reason is simple. Beyond my normal struggles with Aparsha, I found myself struggling to connect some of the lessons I found with the present day. As you'll see, I never quite got there. But well, we'll let the story unfold nonetheless. Near the end of the book of Bereshit, of Genesis, the Torah records the relatives of Yaakov, of Jacob, who came down to Egypt. Three women were mentioned by name. Dina, who, whether she liked Shechem or not, had no choice in whether she married him. Potiphera, who married Yosef and raised the model brothers Ephraim and Menashe. And Serach, who was not mentioned again until this reading. Why is Serach here, and no place else? Why is she counted here in Parshat Pinchas? Why, in a census dedicated to counting those who will go out to war, are there six women mentioned, while there are no women mentioned in the census in Parshat Bimibar? And given that those six are mentioned, why are no other women included? Why stop at six of six hundred thousand? The census has another great oddity. It goes out of its way to tell the stories of Nadav, Avil, Datan, and Aviram. These people aren't even alive. They can't be counted. And it calls out the sons of Korach, despite their father being dead. Fundamentally, what is this census trying to achieve? The census in this reading doesn't happen in a vacuum. It obviously isn't just an accounting of soldiers. In fact, immediately before the census, the Torah says, Strike the Midianim, ki tzorrim hem lachem v'nilehem asher niklu lachem al devar peor v'al devar kozbi bat nasi midyan achotam hamuka beyom hamagefa al devar peor because they bound you by their wiles wherewith they have beguiled you in the matter of Peor, and in the matter of Cosby, the daughter of the prince of Midian, their sister, who was slain on the day of the plague in the matter of Peor. Again, we have a focus on a woman, Cosby, the woman who, despite having relations with Zimri, remained a daughter of Midian. She bound Zimri to Midian, and not herself to the children of Israel. Through this, Cosby and her compatriots broke down what Bilham saw, the Matovu Ohalecha, the goodly tents of Israel, which stood alone and would not be knitted into the nations. Her actions served Balak, and they undermined the legacy of the families of Israel. In this light, we can understand the census. Serach stood alone among the granddaughters of Yaakov. Rather than marry into the Canaanite people, she remained with the house of her father. She stayed with the Jewish people, and she stayed with Hashem. Yocheved did the same, staying within the house of Levi in order to produce Moshe and Aaron and carry the tribe of Levi forward, which is why she is mentioned in the census. And, most famously, the daughters of Salafchad are about to do the same. They will stand for their father's house, ensuring his legacy is carried forward. These women are direct contrasts to Nadav, Aviv, Datan, and Aviram, men who broke with their ancestors' connection to Akadosh Baruch Hu. Korach's sons actually strengthen the lesson. They are men who embrace the holy legacy their own father abandoned. In this census, Hashem is reinforcing what Cosby broke down. Hashem is reinforcing the legacy of the families of Israel. Why do we focus on the father's houses? The answer is simple. As anybody who has adopted children knows, families aren't defined by simple genetics. They are defined by will. 
A family defined by the mother's identity is a family defined by nature, not will. A family defined by a father's house requires human will. It requires relationships and trust. It allows for the physical relationships of a man and a woman to be intentionally raised up in service of the divine. The Midianim provided a contrary model. Their religion involved public orgies. They dedicated the spiritual to the physical, and as a result, a father's identity was a complete mystery. This is perhaps why Cosby's father was called Rosh Umot, the head of a people, where the root for a people comes from the Shorosh or root for mother. This is a rarely used word for a people. It is a people defined by mothers. Today, we define Jewish identity by the mother. The reasons might be quite similar. My family lore has it that an ancestor of my mother's was raped by marauding Cossacks. My mother wrote about it in her play Fievel Meet and Fiddle. We lacked will. We lacked control. The only way to define our nation was to work around the hard realities we faced. The reality of our weakness. This focus in the family continues immediately after the census with the division of the land. The land is divided by families, here before the people even enter it. The portions are set here with no provision for expanding and contracting them as families expand and contract. Once again, Hashem is reinforcing the family. Each family has a portion. Each family has a timeless heritage. They have something physical, something tangible, which will unify and connect them throughout time. We might pass on heirloom watches or rings, but those only last a few generations. We have a fifth generation chair in our living room, but that's stretching it. Imagine if we had some piece of Israel, some patch of land that had been a part of our family for millennia. Imagine if we had a piece of land we could imagine belonging to our family for millennia to come. And imagine if our inheritance of that land was tied to our relationship to Hashem. This brings families together. This reinforces the tents of Israel. This network of relationships gives us a heritage, a physical heritage tied inextricably to the spiritual. This network of relationships makes those fortunate enough to be a part of it, part of their peoples forever. In the Nicomachean Ethics, Aristotle writes, Men become builders by building and liar players by playing the liar. So too we become just by doing just acts, temperate by doing temperate acts, and brave by doing brave acts. This Parsha seems to be building on very similar ideas, only instead of virtue, we are rebuilding the relationships within our families, and through them, our connection to Hashem. The offerings at the end, listed without any explanation, are about action about dedicating the physical to the spiritual and making the everyday connect to the timeless. The apportionment of land tied forever to families is about connecting the physical land to the genetic reality of families to the timeless connection with Hashem. They are about everyday action, building ourselves step by step and through the routine and the physical back into the nation that Bilam honored. The great lawgiver Moshe is replaced by Yeshua who simply carries his legacy forward. Our analysis of this Parsha tends to focus on Pinchas, but Pinchas's grand gesture only stopped the bleeding. It is the everyday actions that follow which repair that which has been damaged. What of today? What of our people now? Our legacy is not built on physical pillars. Instead, it is built on abstract columns. Our legacy is knowledge written in books and passed among our people. The legacy of rabbis has long since replaced the legacy of fathers and mothers.
The legacy of books has replaced the legacy of land. We cannot connect to these families and their lands. Not after thousands of years of exile, and our land is held in a great collective. The family has been demoted in the face of a nation. We do not even bring offerings dedicating the spiritual to the physical. Instead, we live in the abstract. On the one hand, these changes reflect a growing maturity, the maturity of a people able to build in the abstract. But perhaps the abstract, while certainly important and valuable, isn't quite enough. In May 2020, 23% of Israelis reported frequent loneliness, while 61% of Americans reported frequent loneliness prior to the pandemic. Only 7% of Europeans reported the same. While we are not a nation that is falling apart, we are also not a nation that is knit together. The pandemic has made things worse. At the height of the lockdowns in October, 29% of Israelis said they were struggling with high anxiety and 20% from high levels of depression. These figures were more than double pre-pandemic levels. By one recently published measure, domestic violent complaints rose 800%. Murders of women by their husbands have increased 160%. While others have certainly had it worse, Israel and its families are in a crisis of their own. Like the people of Parshat Pinchas, our families are fracturing. They are either not forming, leaving people alone, or they are being broken down by the stresses of Corona. Without our families, our legacy cannot survive. So how do we rebuild? How do we recover? Perhaps we can borrow from this reading. Perhaps we can find ways to dedicate the physical to Hashem. Not just our time and our thoughts and our prayers, but our physical reality. And the land we live on, the relationships we share. Perhaps then our marriages would not simply be there to serve the egos and pleasures of those within them. Perhaps they could serve as a springboard to connect to Hashem. Perhaps if we borrowed from this reading, we could re-achieve Matovu, the goodly tense of Israel. To achieve this, we do not need to repair the imperfections of the past. The people themselves have just emerged from the gray history of slavery. As the Torah said in Parsha by Midbar, They birthed themselves, their families. They filled in the blanks. But while their past was gray, Parshat Pinchas shows us that they could still define the future. Our past is also gray, but like the people of this Parsha, we too can define our future. A future in which our homes and our people are blessed with the presence of the Shekhinah. Shabbat Shalom and thank you for listening.